We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house of learning doctors. Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to The Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast. We are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen. And we have a special draft edition pod dropping for you. I am joined by a special draft guest today, uh, the day after the NBA draft lottery where the Thunder landed at pick number six. You can find his draft prospect breakdown videos and much more on his YouTube channel, Hoop Intellect. And he is on Twitter, at Hoop Intellect. Uh, There's three L's in the Twitter handle. And he's one of my personal favorite draft content creators out there. We've got Keandre on the pod today. Keandre, how's it going, man? Man, I'm doing good. I'm happy happy to be on. So, Keandre, before we get started, I got to ask. Um, so, so you're sitting presumably at home, wherever you're sitting at, watching the the lottery unfold last night. Was there any team in particular that like you were hoping would jump up and snag that number one pick? <laughs> Uh, funny enough, just for the chaos, uh, the first team that came to my mind was the Warriors, uh, with either, uh, with, with their own pick, um, so they would be able to keep it. I just think that would have been, you know, set the Twitter streets ablaze. But other (laughs) than that, you know, I didn't really have any preference. I just wanted, you know, some of those teams that were higher up in the lottery to, you know, get out what they needed from, from the process. Definitely. Yeah. And the, the Thunder, unfortunately, you know, had a, I think it was a 75% chance to land at least one top five pick, whether that be their own or the Houston pick conveying to OKC with those protections at number five. Uh, unfortunately for the Thunder, neither one of those happened. They land at six. We're going to talk here in just a little bit extensively about who they might take at pick six. But Keandre, before we dive into all that, can you tell us a little bit about your your background and starting up the YouTube channel and getting into the prospect evaluations. I know you're a huge hoops fan, obviously. 
Um, I'm a huge hoops fan, and I I started like a, a podcast about the the team that I I enjoy the most. Um, but what drew you to wanting to get into the prospect evaluation game, and how long have have you been at it on the YouTube channel and doing this type of thing? Yeah, so basically, I started the YouTube channel in. I think it was the fall of 2018, I believe. Um, and at that point, I wasn't very good at editing. But I had been doing a lot of different basketball content on Medium.com, just writing. So I'm doing a whole bunch of draft stuff on there. Um, you know, just like team breakdown, team needs, things like that. Um you know, breaking down some certain parts of people's game and everything. But, you know, just along the process, just long story short, I got into the NBA draft prospect videos um, the beginning of last year. So that was really that was really the start of it. And then, you know, carrying on into the pandemic, you know, it's just kind of, things just kind of got rolling. Everybody's at their house and everything. So that kind of... Um, you know, just kind of boosted my channel and, and what whatnot in a, sort, in a sort of way. Um, but, you know, there's a whole bunch of other factors in there that we won't get into. But, yeah, so I've just been pretty passionate about, you know, the game of basketball. And the NBA draft kind of allows a good canvas to sort of look at different pieces of the game in a way that, you know, like people are really interested in who the next guys are, um, even like if they don't have the time to watch college basketball or, you know, they're really invested in their team. They're not really paying attention to anything else other than, you know, what their team's doing. Maybe their team is bad this year, you know, just things like that. So I had the chance to be able to create a prospect um, video type of structure. And, you know, people just kind of ran with it from there. That's awesome. I love it. So uh, you mentioned, you know, there people – they have their NBA teams that they love. They don't really canvas the the college scene, the the international scene very much. So they don't get really up close and personal with with some of these prospects that are coming out. So that's where you come in with these evaluation videos, uh, really breaking down strengths and weaknesses, comparisons. So I want to ask, like, what is the process of you evaluating these draft prospects? Like, are you just watching a metric shit ton of college tape <laughs> um are you just like perusing highlights are you watching throughout the entire season taking notes like can you give us a bit of a peek behind the curtain on on what that process is like yeah so i get asked this question a lot and you know usually what happens is i'm i'm watching all these college games throughout the season if there's an international guy who's um particularly interesting or someone i've had my eye on in, in the past, I'll watch some of their games as well. Um, but yeah, I'm basically just taking notes and everything. That's the start of the process. Just kind of looking for certain things in people's game. And then, you know, as time goes on, I have more time to like sit down and get really in depth with a, a certain prospect. And that's what you see in the prospect videos. Um, yeah, but so like, I'm just basically watching a whole bunch of different games, you know, cutting up the clips and everything at one time. I like to get a lot of them in there at one time. Um, and then, you know, just go from there, just picking up on different things, um, watching team interviews, you know, trying to learn what sets they like to run, um, you know, what what is the what is the tale of this season if I don't already know, if I don't already have the context for it. 
um, like why why is this person in here or you know um, different things like that just getting a whole whole lot of context for things and then uh, yeah just basically from there just putting everything together um, takes quite a bit of time but since I've got the template down and everything um, what you see um, in the finished product is you know just a lot of a lot of hours yeah so so that was my next question ask actually if you had to like estimate from watching a player uh, their their college film uh, taking notes figuring out you coming up with the strengths the weaknesses the comparisons the best fits um, and then actually like the physical aspect of clipping different parts of their games and putting it on the video uh, at the end of the day, how how much time would you estimate that goes into making one of your prospect breakdown videos, which are what typically most of them I think are roughly like between 10 to 15 minutes, maybe 15 minutes is on the high side? Yeah. So there, I try to keep them around 12 to 13 minutes. Before last year, I, they were a little bit shorter. Um, but this year, I just wanted to get a little bit more detail in there and, you know, throw some things in there that are a little bit more add a little bit more context to the player um but yeah total if we're talking about total time that's kind of a difficult question to answer because there's so much time spent like you know in november december january where you know we're just kind of creating the groundwork for the for the evaluations but you know when we really sit down and start you know chopping the stuff up i would probably say like maybe a a total of 72 hours. I don't know. It, it would, 72 to 48, somewhere in there. That's, that's the number that I would probably guesstimate. I don't, I really don't know. Cause I just go. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's kind of my estimation. That's wild, man. So you are putting in the work for sure to, uh, to get this up. But I got to say, again, I, I mentioned at the top of the podcast and, um, you know, I'm not just hyping it up because you're on the show. I, I thoroughly enjoy your prospect evaluation videos and um, h- how you go about doing them. And they've helped educate me on a lot of these guys because I don't have the time to watch a lot of college hoops. And so yeah. um, the the work you are doing and, and, I, and I think your YouTube subscriber rate and everything kind of reflects that, that you are putting in a, a ton of work and, and it's definitely paying off. So last question about the videos before we really start to dive into some Thunder stuff here. Uh, one thing that I think every NBA fan loves, uh, I, they just can't help themselves, is comparisons, right? Who is this guy? Who, who is his game like? Is he the next LeBron James or is he the next uh, Perry Jones the third? <laughs> and so you have comps at the end of each of your videos. It's one of the things I like the most is at the end of your videos, you have like your where you project them to go in the draft, their what you perceive their ceiling and their floor to be, and the swing skills on how they achieve that ceiling. Then you throw out a handful of NBA teams that you think are the best fits, and then you have some clips of some NBA guys that you think are good comparisons. So I wanted to ask, how do you go about uh, making those comparisons? Are you looking strictly at just the style of play? Are you looking at size? Are you looking at the skill set? Is it a combination of everything? How do you go about that? Yeah, so it's definitely a combination of a lot of things. Um, I don't want to try to make myself sound like too too co- too complicated or this process be really complicated. A lot of it is just from my own eye test. Um, certain player movements and everything, that's kind of some stuff that I've 
really picked up on. Um, I can't tell you exactly how or why, but that's just pretty much, you know, 23, 22 years of watching basketball nonstop. Um, but yeah, so the things like, you know, height, um, position, sort of uh, the major a- attributes of their game, you know, those usually got to be similar. Um, you know, just certain things like that, p- potential role. Uh, those all factor into the comparisons, and then you get, at the end, you know, we'll come up with a player, usually one player who is the most similar, and then maybe a guy who has, you know, certain shades of, you know, like a guy like Moses Moody, compare him to Chris Middleton, maybe he doesn't become that caliber of player, but, you know, he also has shades of, you know, like a Wesley Matthews, a shorter, you know, long guard who can do multiple things on the court, you know, back in his Portland days. Um, you know, just certain certain things like that. I like to have fun with it. Like to, you know, just see how far I can go throughout the entire um, you know, modern NBA at least to see who who does this player remind me of and, you know, who who best suits their their game in comparison. Awesome. I love it. So I didn't prep you for this, but I'm I'm gonna throw something out here, uh, and I want to see if you can just come up with some stuff right off the dome. All right. So we're talking about comps here. Uh, we are a Thunder podcast, so I want to throw you like two or three Thunder players, and I just want you live on the pod here to give me, um, like, it, I want you to imagine that you're making a video, even though they've already been in the league, right? Mm-hmm. That you're making a video for them, and what you would say their comp is just off of like eye test. Are you cool with that? Yeah. Yeah, we'll let's see do where it. Where this goes? <laughs> let's do it. All right, first one, uh, the goat himself, Lugens Dort. Yeah, that immediately, you know, I think of a Marcus Smart. Um, that's not exact an exact comparison, but you know, when you look at what he can do defensively, um, you know, the other developing parts of his game, he has not been a great shooter, but he's developing. Um, you know, just the, the sheer strength, the sheer strength. You know, toughness, those things. That's that's where I would go with with Lou Dort. There, I know there's another one there, but that I actually compared him to a couple years ago, but I can't think of it off the dome. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think the Marcus Smart one is is a pretty popular one for Lou. Uh, next one, let's go with uh, a guy that I think a lot of Thunder fans are hoping to see uh, a big leap this summer from going into next year. Darius Baisley, a guy that you know we didn't get to really sc- scout much pre-draft because he didn't play college basketball, but seeing him in the league, what how, what would your comp for Darius Baisley be? This is a really difficult one because he is kind of a unique player. Um, you know, big left-handed, uh, athletic forward, um, can play multiple spots on the floor. Um you know, I really, I got to be honest, I don't know. I can't, there's not one that really comes to me. Um, no, I'm with, I, I, str- I struggle with him a lot as well. Um, another one that I think is difficult, but I think maybe we have a little more runway to work with. Uh, last one for you, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah, Shea is a really unique player. Um, you know, bigger guard, but he's smooth. Uh, the... The comparisons with him, I don't. I'm not. I'm not too sure with him either. I gotta be honest. Yeah. Because no. 
uh, a guy like Shea, there's certain things about his game that remind me of other players that, you know, we've watched before. Even like something somewhat of a Penny Hardaway. Um, uh-huh. You get um, some similarities there, but he's also not nearly the athlete that Penny was. Um and, you know, just the pace that he plays with is unlike, like, most players I've ever watched, um, especially for someone who puts up 23 a game. Um, but, yeah, that's somewhere in the, the big guards. There's there's a comparison there, but I, I just can't think of it off the dome. Yeah, he's, he's a tough one, and one that I've heard a handful of people make, which I, I think this would be what you called a shades of comparison, right? We're, yeah. we're not comparing them straight up, but there's aspects to that game. I think especially after this season for Shea uh, and his three-point shooting, and especially the step back. I think there's playing off the pick and roll. There, There's a little bit of James Harden in there as far as style of play is concerned. Um, yeah. So, but obviously James Harden is a, you know, perennial MVP candidate as well. So uh, I think the Thunder would be ecstatic if, if Shea reached that level. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Keonji, well, let's dive into uh, this coming up 2021 draft and uh, the Thunder specifically. So, uh, like we mentioned, the Thunder land at pick number six. So they have three first rounders this year, six, 16, and 18. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on all three of those picks. Let's start at the top, though. I know you just dropped a mock draft for the lottery on your YouTube channel. We'll make sure we link that 
uh, to our Twitter page whenever we upload this podcast. But at pick six for OKC, should they stay put uh, They and they don't try to climb up the draft board and they stay at pick number six, I think we're all pretty confident in the top four in this draft. Are you in that same boat that we've yeah. got Kaminga, or sorry, Cade, uh, Suggs, Green, and Mobley are going for? I think after that it gets a little interesting. Mm-hmm. Who do you who do you foresee the Thunder taking at six, and who do you think the best fit is there? You know, I think best fit is sort of a interesting question for this like five, six, seven, eight range for all of these teams because um, depending on you know the the caliber of team that they were or just you know the best players available in this spot, it's just it's just kind of a weird mix. Um, for the Thunder, I think the popular pick at number six is going to be Scotty Barnes, and that's exactly where I would go. I think a guy with his combination of athleticism, length, you know, really raw energy, um, and defensive prowess would be really, really fun on this Thunder team, um, especially going forward. And they're going to be patient with him so they can work on developing his shot, work on developing, you know, the rest of his offensive game. Let him get comfortable with some ball handling responsibilities. You've got other guys like um, SGA, Poku, you know, possibly Kimball. We don't know what's going to happen there. Um, but, you know, Scotty Barnes in this um, position for the Thunder, I really like it. So let me ask you this. If, let's say, for some reason, uh, I don't know what would ha- have to happen for this to, to come to reality, but let's say Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kaminga both sitting there at six for the Thunder. Are you still leaning Scotty Barnes there? Yeah, I think I am. Even though I think, you know, they're not too far apart as prospects, in my opinion. Um, I think, I just think Scotty Barnes, you know, works a little bit better in this type of setting I don't know I think I've just been I've just become like attached to Scotty Barnes being in OKC I feel like there's a really good chance that he could end up going to Orlando in which um Kamiga going to Oklahoma City would be fine um but I don't know I, I just like the combination of his energy matched with you know like uh Baisley and Lou Dort you know I just like that that type of um you know raw young energy in, in the same on the same team definitely so i know i i've watched your scotty barnes video uh some of our listeners probably have not so we were just talking about p- comps hit me with uh one at least one scotty barnes comp that i know you have on the video and then are there any others that uh kind of sit in the back of your mind that you can see shades of for scotty yeah so the big comparison for scotty barnes is somewhat of a Draymond Green now that comparison isn't exact um there are you know bits and pieces of their game that are um a lot different but you know you're just looking at a guy who can really pass the ball um moves well can handle the ball uh, defend multiple positions they've got a lot of energy communicate well um that's where the main bulk of that comparison comes from and then, you know, on the back end of that, another guy who Barnes is often compared to is somebody like, you know, Kyle Anderson. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Kyle Anderson's game, but, you know, there are some similarities there from a, you know, 6'9 guard can handle it, um, defends pretty well, is not going to really wow you offensively anywhere. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's kind of where Scotty Barnes' game is at. And you know, in in this Oklahoma City situation, he has all the room to grow. So he's going to get the necessary reps to, you know, really figure out who he is as a player and you know the structure in the organization. I think is apt enough to, you know, water the things that he 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 does really well already. Definitely, yeah. I think this this Thunder front office, the coaching staff, are very very heavily dedicated to player development, uh, and and like you've mentioned, I think getting a guy like Scotty in there that has some really high potential uh, that could. That could work out really great. I have a couple more Barnes questions for you. One comp that was mentioned to me uh, a couple of days ago that I I can see, I guess it's two comps, I can see a little bit of. I want to get your opinions on these. Um, One was uh, comparing Scotty Barnes a little bit to OG Ananobi. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Um, You know, from a size perspective, I think they're pretty similar. I think OG has a little bit more... He, he had even coming out of uh, Indiana had a little bit more you know aggression in terms of scoring um, he's a little bit more comfortable uh, on that front but you know when we're looking defensively and potential roles I think that's that's something that could could be a little bit similar I think OG is already you know developing a lot more as a score than we really ever thought Um he would be able to, but you know, I can see it. I can see it. Definitely. And then the other one, th- this one may be my favorite comp for Scotty. And maybe this is just my bias coming through. Cause I think the Thunder are going to select him and I want him to be <laughs> really good. Um, some early Jeremy Grant. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting one. Um, because you know, Jeremy Grant is a completely different player now than he was even this last season in Oklahoma city. Mm-hmm. Um, the Thunder so, played him at backup five. Yeah, and he's sure. now like a starting three in the league, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his his offensive game has you know expanded leaps and bounds in places that I never thought he would go. Um, he was he was really good on that uh, that last team with Paul George and uh, Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. You know, at that four spot. You know, being able to come over, rotate, help side blocks, defend a whole bunch of different people on the court. Um, yeah, I, I think I think early on, where you could see something sort of like that from Scotty Barnes. He's not exactly the rim, same type of rim protector, shot blocker, um, but he has a lot more offensive skill in terms of like passing, um, things of that nature. Especially when he Jeremy Grant was coming straight out of college. Um, he didn't have much of any of that, so. But yeah, yeah, I can kind of see it from a from a combo four type perspective in what he is now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you mentioned. I mean, Jeremy Grant came out of college, very raw. And shout out to him, man. He worked his ass off for years and years and years, and then you know gets the bag in Detroit and is now going to be playing with Cade Cunningham. So mm-hmm. uh, shout out, shout out to to JG. I he, huge fan of JG. Um, one more Scotty Barnes question, then we'll move on to picks 16 and 18 for the Thunder. Uh, Keandre, it's okay if you call me a jackass on my podcast after <laughs> I say this. Uh, you, 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 if you feel justified, you go ahead. I have this thought, okay? And I'm just some idiot with a microphone. But can you see Scotty playing five in the league? Um, 
I can for stretches. Now, like we like I just mentioned, I don't think he's a good enough shot blocker to be somebody who, you know, really anchors the back end of your defense like that. Um, that's where, you know, sort of a difference lies between him and Draymond. Draymond, even at, you know, a smaller physical stature, he was always, well, at his best, you know, a really good rim protector, even if he's not blocking the shot. Um, but yeah, for stretches, I think, you know, even Baisley can play some five. If you've got both of them back there, I think you can get by for stretches. You know, certain teams, you know, might have a Jokic or an Embiid, so that's definitely not something that you want to, you know, play with. But, you know, if you can stretch the floor, it might be something interesting. Definitely, yeah. And I just love thinking of an OKC lineup that has Shea, Baisley, Poku, and Scotty Barnes. I mean, the amount of arm length on that floor <laughs> is just, that's absurd. You know, yeah. that we're, we're talking like, you know, Bucks style, like length of arms. It just, it just gets ridiculous. Um, all right, Keonje, let's move over to 16 and 18 for the Thunder. Um, personally, I don't think the Thunder are making three first round selections in yeah. this draft. Uh, they just don't have the roster space to make that happen. Um, but at 16 and 18, right outside the lottery, uh, who are some guys that you think uh, will be there and are good fits for the Thunder? Or we could also look at, May, I, I think you could trade 16 and 18 and get into like that 11 to 13 range. Uh, is there also anyone in that range that, let's say the Thunder traded up, that you uh, that you think fits and really like for this team? Yeah, so, you know, like we were talking about earlier, after four, I think it's going to get really weird. Um, both in terms of, you know, potential trades between teams, um, maybe looking for a sweet spot to find their guy, um, get a little bit more value back. And then in terms of, you know, a lot of different players, a lot of different skill sets, you know, you've got guys like Corey Kispert um, and Davion Mitchell, older players who are talented and do certain things really well. And then you've got the Zaire Williams, Kai Joneses, you know, potential top 10 type of upside, but haven't proven it all the way. Have, a you know, some other things to prove as well. You can throw... Keon Johnson, Jalen Johnson, guys like that in there as well. Um, but yeah, you know, 16 and 18, I have heard rumors that Oklahoma City was the team that possibly promised Cam Thomas and Isaiah Jackson, which forced them to pull out of the NBA draft combine. Um, I'm not, you know, that's just a rumor. And after yesterday's lottery, um, things are probably more fluid than they were when that you know, first started rumbling and everything. Um, but, you know, there's a, so many di- different directions that they can go in. Um, a favorite of mine is Moses Moody. Oh, you're speaking uh, my language, Keontae. <laughs> other people haven't really had him ranked as high as I do. But if he is there at 16, I send the pick in so fast, you know. Um, He's a trade-up candidate for me. Let me ask yeah. you this. I, I know you're high on Moody. After his measurements at the combine yesterday, what was it, six five with a seven two mm-hmm. seven one wingspan? Do you think those measurements start to vault him up teams' draft uh, boards a little bit more? I I'm not sure. You know, I I can't really get a gauge of what they you know like and everything because you know you take a guy like Davion Mitchell, um, who has vaulted into people's near top fives. You know, I'm I'm a little bit confused, especially in this type of draft. Um, 
But, you know, I think, you know, with more time, maybe, possibly, he jumps up. I need, I feel like he's flown a little bit under the radar, especially for a freshman who had that good of a season in the SEC. Um, you know, if it wasn't for Cam Thomas scoring so many points last season, I think he runs away with that uh, SEC freshman award. Um, let, let me throw another name out there, and and I think you have him a little bit higher on your board than sixteen, eighteen. This would be a trade up candidate as well. Uh, but how do you? What do you think of, and how do you like the fit of Josh Giddy in Oklahoma City? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't know if Oklahoma City would be the the best place for him, but you know, I think I think they might be able to make it work. I. I personally think that there's a little bit more growing for him to do, you know, as a shooter, as someone who can put pressure on a defense, um, especially when your, you know, main skill is passing. And it is, it is a, an elite skill for him. Um, and then, you know, just working on the shot and defensively and all that. But, you know, you have Shea there, Kimba might be there. Um, I really like Teo. I think he has a, a chance to be a really um, good rotational player. Um, so for the Thunder, I'm not so sure about it. But, you know, if they do take that type of a talent, I think they can make it work. Definitely. One more name. Uh, and I think you got you have this guy a little bit higher as well. So another trade-up candidate here. Um, but a dude that, that I love, James Booknight. Yeah. I think James Booknight is definitely – a trade-up candidate, especially, you know, in comparison to the last two guys that we talked about. I feel like he has a lot more buzz, especially around the top 10, than um, even those other guys do. James Booknight in Oklahoma City would be, you know, really fun. You know, his somebody with his athleticism, um, scoring ability, and, uh, you know, one of the best off-ball players in this entire class. Um, he's a really good cutter. He moves well off of, you know, pin downs and things of that nature. Um, and defensively, like I said in my scouting video, um, he's a little bit better than advertised. So I think, you know, if you take those combination of skills and put him in that guard rotation with Shea, Lou Dort, and, you know, role going future, role going towards the future, I think um, OKC would be in business. Yeah, I... I love his game and even the shooting numbers, like I don't think you can put too much into that from the college season. If he wasn't shooting the ball for UConn, nobody was right. Like he was the focal point of that entire offense. When he gets in on NBA floor, that's spaced out with other shot creators. uh, I think that kid's going to thrive. I big fan of James book Knight over here. He's a, what what um, I've watched your book night video. I'm, I'm it's not coming to my mind immediately. What's your comp for him? Yeah, so one of the comps I had for James Booknight, and this is more, you know, play style. Him and Jordan Clarkson have a lot of similarities um, in that way. I think Booknight has a higher ceiling in in terms of a complete player. Um, And the other guy I compared him to was Derek White. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so, you know, Derek White's not really a guy who a lot of people have watched a lot of. You know, he's got a big reputation as a defender. Um, but they also have some similarities, and I think just sort of a more well-rounded type of player. And, you know, Derek White just had his best scoring season of his career. So, yeah, just 
somewhere in in that type of vein, I think um, is where James Book Knight relies with a little bit more um, scoring upside than than Derek White, but you know not not exactly the complete microwave guy that Jordan Clarkson is. For sure. Um, last Thunder draft question for you, Keandre, and then we'll move on to, to a little bit of other stuff before we get out of here. Let's say that the Thunder do end up making a blockbuster to trade up into the top four of this draft. Yeah. Um, I know the top four are very highly regarded. Um, it's hard to see anybody trading out of that. But if there's one team that has the assets to make a Godfather offer, it's the Thunder with their 10 billion picks over the next <laughs> five years. Um, so let's say the Thunder do trade up. They don't get up to number one. Um, I, don't, I don't think Detroit's really going to move yeah. off of the Cade Cunningham pick. But besides that, those other three guys in the top four, we're looking at the at the two guards, uh, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, then the big man and Evan Mobley. What is the ideal fit for this Oklahoma City team if they can get one of those three guys? Yeah, so if if there is a possibility for them to trade up for Evan Mobley, they should do it immediately. Um, you know, I think Evan Mobley has a tremendous chance to be one of the next, you know, great young bigs in this league. Um, probably the best big prospect to me since Carl Anthony Towns. I think a guy with his, you know, length, his fluidity is off the charts for a guy seven foot. He blocks shots. He can score it. He's shown, you know, more potential as a scorer, you know, on his turnarounds, you know, he has really soft touch. He can take it the length of the floor, um, off the glass, you know, just those type of attributes that he has um, would really, really, really be great alongside a SGA. Um, and I think he would be a terrific player in Oklahoma City if that, you know, opportunity presented itself. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, I think... His versatility, his ability to, to step out and defend guards is incredibly valuable too. You know, I, I think a lot of people are kind of lower on bigs watching the playoffs now, seeing, you know, Rudy Gobert not step out ten feet beyond the basket for that entire series against the Clippers and kind of have some hesitation. But if you can get a versatile big that can switch, that can move his feet, uh, flip his hips from one way to another, uh, which Evan Mobley can do all that, I think you're looking at a a very, very special player. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So, Keandre, uh, a few more things before we get you out of here. First, I wanted to ask, so we're talking about all your, your prospect evaluations. Tell us a few times uh, that you've made a prospect video or you've just evaluated a prospect, maybe was writing about him or whatever, uh, that after that prospect got drafted, got into the league, we started to see what they were going to be like in the NBA. Uh, you were just, you know, feeling yourself like, oh, man, I – I know what the hell I'm doing. I got I knocked this one out of the park. Which one of which prospect breakdowns have you done that that you make you feel the most confident? Yeah, so going back a couple years, um, the first one that comes to my mind is Kevin Porter Jr. Um, he went 30th in that draft, and to me, he was always somebody who should have been a surefire lottery pick. Now there were concerns about you know the attitude, character, and you know some of those things have you know popped up in the league but mm -hmm. as we've seen this year he can also give you 50 and 11 in the game um so that was one who 
you know, I was like, you know, man, I don't know how this guy is falling. It sort of makes you look like at yourself, like, you know, do I know what I'm talking about? But then, you know, <laughs> GMs, you always give play me a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me a call. Get me on the scouting team. Yeah. Um, flip side of the coin. Give me one. We all have these, so don't feel bad. Give me one that a prospect you evaluated and then you're just like, man, I've crapped the bed. This is awful. Like I had no clue what I was talking about. Mine, <laughs> I told you pre-pod, mine was that Perry Jones was going to be Kevin Durant 2.0. Uh, we we obviously saw uh, what happened with that. I had, what was my other one? I had another one that was just a God awful take. Um, it's so Mitch it's McGarry. Not, <laughs> oh, dude, no, dude, I was so pissed off at that pick. <laughs> my man my man is out of the league bowling now. Um, yeah. But no, I, I've had multiple of them. So so what's the what's the one for you, the one you whiffed on the worst? So as I try to think of another one, the one that comes to mind first, but I was, you know, a little bit younger is... Blame it on the age, it's okay. <laughs> is uh, Ben McLemore. So, you know, in that draft, it was... a probably one of the weirdest drafts that we're going to see. Um, I think he, he goes to the Kings, which isn't the greatest place. But, you know, coming out of Kansas, he looked the part of, you know, what a guy like Bradley Beal is doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, or what Victor Oladipo ended up doing uh, at his best, you know. Um, sort of a guy like that. But, you know, he fizzled out, became pretty much a spot-up shooter almost – you know, entirely went out of the league. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of them. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. Cause I know they're, I know they're there, but yeah, I, I remember one of mine was, I thought Ricky Rubio was going to be the next Steve Nash. Mm, yeah. I was convinced. He had a lot convinced. of, he had a lot of hype, um, coming out. I think definitely, I, I think, uh, you know, in sort of a different way last year, I sort of, underrated Emmanuel quickly out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have much of a problem of them, uh, the Knicks picking him at uh, 25 or whatever they did that they did. But he ended up being so much better and showed a lot of things, you know, because we always talk about with the Kentucky guys, you know, definitely go watch some of their high school tape because for whatever reason, what Cal runs over there, you know, even look at Devin Booker or Tyler Hero. Um, mm-hmm. There's a little bit more there that they didn't show. And he was pretty much a, a spot-up shooter only while he was at Kentucky. Maxie was, he pretty much showed his entire game. But quickly was the guy who, you know, I definitely should add higher. I ha- think I had him right, you know, sort of in the top 40. Um, but he clearly outperformed that right away. Definitely. Uh, hey, speaking on that real quick, handful of... Kentucky guys in this draft as well. Do you view that like a, like a Brandon Boston or an Isaiah Jackson? Uh, do you view that in the in the same light? Do you think? I mean, Brandon Boston this time last year, we were talking like surefire top ten, right? And now yeah. he's. I see a lot of mocks where he's not even in the first round. Is is he a guy that you kind of see like that as well? No, because okay. I think it was a little bit different this year for him. But on the other side of that, he's still somebody who I'm pretty high on, especially in terms of like the late first round. Um, just given his scoring talent, his ability, you know, um, he's adding to that six seven frame and everything like that. So um, I think there is more there, but not 
exactly in the same way as the the bookers the heroes even throw like Keldon Johnson in there um quickly you know in that same way for sure for sure all right Keandre, yeah that's another good one man there's there's a lot of, I mean I feel like Shay didn't even yeah. you know show his full arsenal but I also think Shay just that was development a little bit too. Yeah, he routinely just he gets a break from basketball, high school to college, college to the NBA, Clippers to the Thunder, Thunder to a second year in the Thunder. Every every break he gets, he just comes back and makes a massive leap. And so that's I think that's why a lot of Thunder fans are excited to see like what is this kid next year. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Thunder, last thing I wanted to get to before we get you out of here, you did prospect breakdown videos uh, last year over two Thunder players that got drafted, uh, Alexei Pokashevsky and Teo Maladon. I want to ask you your, how you evaluated them last year, and then now after seeing them with a full year in the league, has your opinion changed on either of them? Uh, actually, not, not really. I think I've been a little bit impressed by Poku's just like, raw confidence that he has so so before you continue i gotta tell you this because <laughs> i don't think a lot of people have heard this because it's just kind of niche but in thunder exit interviews uh what was this about a month and a half ago now uh they asked somebody from the media asked al horford his thoughts and opinions on alexei pokashevsky and horford said the first day he ever came to the thunder practice facility he walked in and saw Poku taking standstill 30-foot threes <laughs> and was 100% serious about it. Like, wasn't dicking around, just like slinging the ball down the court. Was legitimately getting reps of 30-foot threes, just this unwavering confidence. And I was like, dude, that is Poku to a freaking T. I love it. Yeah. Sorry, I had to get that anecdote in there. Go no, ahead. No, for sure. That was good. Um, yeah, so, you know, just his confidence, especially – this huge transition that he's made to the NBA, um, even to the G League, you know, there's a lot different level of basketball than he's been playing in the past. Um, and, you know, he's given he's been given a little bit more of an opportunity than he's, than he's really ready for. But, you know, the flashes that he's had are really encouraging. And, you know, with in due time, I think that he is going to become a, a really interesting and high-impact player. Um, the full caliber of play, I'm not exactly sure, you know, where that ceiling resides. I think people have gotten a little bit too carried away with him. You know, it's it's a little bit unfair to him because um, it's all a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, in total, I've I've really I really liked what what I saw. You know, both good and bad from him. Um, he's and it, he's yeah. a guy that's almost like impossible to comp to, right? Like mm-hmm. just the size, the the ball handling ability, the passing, the quick trigger three, like. He's a very hard guy to find somebody in the past. I know the word unicorn is thrown around a lot, but like legitimately, I don't know of another guy in the league that's really mirrored what he can do offensively at that size. You know, you have Porzingis who can shoot it and is super tall and is from Europe, but Porzingis, you know, doesn't even have dreams of handling the ball in a pick and roll yeah. like Poku does, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. He's he's really he's a really unique player, and then on the other side, you know, uh, Teo. He I was really high on him. I thought he was about a top twenty ish type of guy last year. And when he fell to thirty four, 
I was really surprised. So I thought, you know, the Thunder nailed that. Um, he had his ups and downs, but overall, I I think, you know, especially, um, I think it was that game against San Antonio. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I really liked what I saw from him, and I think, you know, going forward, that sort of combo guard as he, you know, continues to develop his shot. If they can keep him around, I think he will be really valuable for this team, or at least the team in the league. Definitely. he's. I mentioned this the first week I watched Teo play in the NBA. He's a 19-year-old who plays like he's been in the league for 10 years. For sure. Like, nothing speeds him up. He plays at his own pace. He just he, he has the demeanor of a veteran, and I think, and I'm interested if you agree with this, I think a lot of that comes from uh, all the professional reps he got overseas. Yeah, and you know Tony Parker is his one of his mentors. Um, he played for Asville over there. Tony Parker uh, owns that team. Um, that is, you know, there's a direct correlation there. Being a, being able to be around pros since he was about you know 15 years old, being anointed as one of the uh, the next guys out of his area. Um, he definitely plays with the pace and you know sort of a composure that you really don't see from guys that young especially at that position definitely so that that makes me really excited for his growth as well so Keandre I promise you 45 minutes we're at 46 I lied I apologize (laughs) as we get out of here though uh thank you again so much for hopping on the pod if you guys do not already follow Keandre on Twitter you need to do so it's at hoop intellect Uh, The Intellect has three L's in it on Twitter. And then his YouTube page, Hoop Intellect, uh, where he does all his prospect breakdowns. Go smash that subscribe button. Watch all of his stuff. You'll become a more educated NBA fan in the process. And Keandre actually just dropped a uh, lottery mock draft after we got the lottery results yesterday. So that's his newest video up. You need to go check it out. Keandre, do you have any more coming up this week? Um, you know, just stay tuned for more prospect videos, uh, possibly a big board. But yeah, appreciate you having me on. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we will uh, link those, that mock draft video on our uh, Twitter page for the uncontested as well. So make sure to check it out there. And we will talk to you guys again Sunday for our live stream. Until then, go watch that Scotty Barnes video. Thunder up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.